What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bros Beard Sports. I'm Mills. I'm Cole. And together, that makes us the Beards Bros. We have another fun episode coming to you guys here. Um, This one, we're going to be talking all about the controversial calls that happen in professional sports, specifically the issue regarding referees and whether it's inconsistency or taking over a game with their own with their calls and kind of get almost overstepping you know does that make sense cole you know getting too yeah. too involved sort of they, in a way they're becoming part of the game when ideally they should be kind of passive uh on the side yeah they um, people you shouldn't really notice them so much yeah and as it's been going on more and more in professional sports and high level amateur sports, such as college football and basketball. Um, we see it time and time again, where refs, something that I notice happens a lot is refs are kind of calling a game loose, which I'm all for calling games loose. But then when you get into the crunch time, you know, the final couple minutes or whatever, final couple drives, and now the flag starts coming out more, the whistle starts getting blown a little bit more. That's something yep. you see happen all the time. And that's kind of the focus of our show. And we're even, and there's even some, you can even talk to an extent at the MLB as well. You know, if that's not, yeah. it's umpiring. So, you know, not refing per se, but you, you but, get my point. Just wherever yeah. there's officials and how they kind of get too involved and almost take away from the players in the product on the field. And it becomes now what's going on with the refs, what's going on with the umps, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of the focus of our show. And then possibly we're going to tr- see if we can propose any solutions that we think could fix it. Um, you know, it's a human element of the game. So there's only so much you can do uh, yeah, when you want to address these issues. And I want to also preface before we get into this, there might at times it might sound like we're very anti ref <laughs> and that's not the case. It's just, you know, as fans of football, as fans of basketball, baseball, hockey, even whatever sport you're a fan of, you don't want to see games get determined by refs who are starting to get a little ticky tacky or a little too, a uh, little too involved. However, whatever verbiage we want to use there. So we're not yeah. anti-ref. You know, we understand refs are important. They're an essential part of the game. They need to be there. It's more so in a sense, how can we take pressure off of the referees and make it so it's a more like a more smooth process overall for referees to be a part of the game. You know, how yeah. can we how can we kind of streamline it a little bit to take some pressure off of them and make things a little more clear and understanding all around the spectrum, players, coaches, refs, fans, etc. That's kind of the focus here. Um, yeah. So with that, Cole, I'm going to hand it off to you if you want to kind of lead with some opening thoughts here before we kick into the rest of it. Yeah, well, I think part of it is setting up the refs for success and not setting them up for failure. Because I think some things, like if you look at the NFL's uh, catch rule, for example. Oh, beautiful. I'm glad we, we're talking about this. We, everybody, you know what a catch is. Like if you're out on the playground, you're out with your buddies, like you, know, you, everybody knows like what's a catch and what's not a catch. But then like the way the NFL rule has been written there's now they've introduced this element of subjectivity into it to the point where like now are you talking about the football move yes making a football move making a football move every time i hear that i whenever it's dean not dean villandino but mike Pereira or so i'm just like here we are we're gonna make a football move 
or like you know it's like oh did he fully control the ball and shit i'm like did, did the ball hit the ground no it's a catch okay like if yeah. the ball didn't hit the ground to me it's a catch but like you know now there's all this like oh he juggled the ball as yeah, he's going out of bounds survive, now it doesn't count survive the like, ground yada yada yeah no so like now there's all this subjectivity into it now like with with the way the rule has is written uh I think it's completely reasonable that two different people see the same catch and go, oh, that's a catch. Oh, that's not a catch. Like it, it there, it's so subjective and it's yes. so like hard, especially when you're dealing with things in like real time and you have to make snap decisions. Like I'll defend us on that. Like I, it, it's hard. It's hard to make all those calls right. 100% of the time. And nobody's ever going to agree with every call you make because there's so much subjectivity, uh, inherent in the call now because of all the subjectivity brought in by the way the rule has been written so yes. there's definitely times where you know sports leagues the way the way rules set up that like refs are kind of set up to failure like you, when you have that much subjectivity in it it introduces more and more of the human element in it and it, it doesn't matter if like it it's completely unbiased or whatever like everybody's gonna see it how they see it and it's always going to be an argument. And some people are going to say it's a great call. Some people are going to say it's a bad call, like regardless of like rooting interests and that kind of thing. It's it's impossible to have the correct call. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. So the catch rule, or maybe not rule, but the description of what constitutes a catch in the NFL, it's one of the most convoluted things ever. It's, over, it's so overcomplicated yeah. now because the NFL continues to fail to come to a clear cut understanding of what makes a catch. And like you said, I don't blame refs on that one. When you see it and the guy hits the ground and the ball moves a little bit. Yeah. You know what? The rules written in a way where it's kind of the, that ref's own personal judgment as to whether they believe it's a catch or not. And something's got to have, something's got to give to kind of fix that situation. Um, Cause a football move really like th this is my thought process when it comes to what makes a catch, right? If you're catching the ball on the sideline, what do you need? What, what do you need? Two feet, right? Need two feet and bounds. Two feet and, and bounds. And control of the ball. And control of the ball, which I would go so far as to say is if you catch it and then you land on your back and the ball moves a little bit, as long as it doesn't hit the ground, I would be cool keeping that a catch. Yeah. And yeah. Saying, to me, as, as long as the ball hit doesn't the ground, hit the ground. Yeah. Like, to me, that's it, a catch. If it didn't hit the ground, it should be a catch because if you're not going out of bounds and that happens, they're not going to say you didn't catch the ball. That's one yeah. of the things that I've never really understood. The, you know, that's a lack of consistency at the in the description of a catch right there. So yeah. as for what makes a catch, simple. Possession, two feet, caught. If you get popped, you yep. catch it. You If you catch it and you get both feet down and you get popped, I'm sorry. I, I'm cool if we're going to call that a fumble right away. I'm not going to yeah. get into that because while it'll bother people at first, it will bring some continuity to the actual rule you know people are yeah. going to be upset with the original call with all those calls when they first happen everyone's going to be outraged with it but it'll take away so much more controversy as to what makes a catch in other aspects of the game you yeah, know we're definitely. talking about a minor part of the game where a guy catches it and immediately gets popped for a fumble that doesn't happen very often you mm -hmm. know more times than not we see a guy who doesn't survive the ground or doesn't make his football yeah. move whatever yeah you can eliminate all that by just being really clear possession, two feet. All right. 
So what what constitutes possession? Basically, they're not juggling the ball when when they get both feet down. Is yeah. how I look at it. But yeah. it, it that one is such a brutal one. And then another thing I think about a lot when I think NFL referees is pass interference and roughing the passer. Those are yes. two things that um, always seem to be once again very inconsistent among the refs. And that yeah. this all goes well, back to and even the NFL ultimately as a whole, because yeah. the NFL has a micromanaging problem when it comes to their rule book. I mean, they, yeah. they are altering the rules almost every single year. Roughing the passer yeah. has changed five times over five years. Pass interference yeah. has changed a few times over the last few years. Like yeah. we have to stop with constantly changing it. Refs are going to be yeah. screwed in that case. Well, that the thing that annoys me too, is even the inconsistency in game or even among the same refs throughout the season because they will 100% call it differently in the first quarter of the game versus the last quarter of the game because yeah. they don't want to like you know uh put undue influence on the on like the end of the game so they just won't call it at the end of a game and it's like well you were calling this all day the same the yeah. same thing even even now you like you can pass or if you're worse now at the end of the game and they won't call it because they don't want to you know yeah. get the or, headlines or the and then in the playoffs they completely swallow the whistle and like won't do anything and it's yeah. like why this was pass interference all day long all season then all of a sudden like we're in the playoffs now so now it's not a pass interference like what or or they'll do the reverse and they'll be super loose all game and then it's crunch time of a close game and now we're paying a little bit more attention to pass interference and roughing the passer and stuff like that i always i always look back to um with this particular topic going back last year i look back at when chase Claypool against the Dolphins was literally tackled before the ball got to him. It yeah. was the it was one of the last drives, and I, at least I believe it was against the Dolphins. I could be mistaking what team it was against, but he was on the Bears. It was after the trade deadline, and I mean he's literally wrapped up, being pulled down while he's trying to jump up to catch a ball, and the flag stays in. That's one of those things where okay, you can let him play all day long. But when you're watching a guy <laughs> get tackled, there, there comes a point where you have to call it. Um, and like I said, this all comes back to inconsistencies with everything. And when I said at the top of the show um, about refs either getting more loose, a little more ticky-tacky end game, I'm specifically talking pass interference because that's when we see it the most is when it gets inconsistent toward like end of game is when that call seems to come out or not come out as much as it was the rest of the the entire game before you know um yeah but i always look back on plays like that where you know you just it makes you wonder what is, what does the ref see when this happens and yeah. how how is it that there can't seem to be like a basic understanding of this is what i like i get it refs are gonna miss stuff it's real time it's not easy but i look mm-hmm. i think about a great way to look at it is think about mlb umpires right an MLB umpire, they all have their tendencies when they're calling a strike zone. So, mm-hmm. you know, if each ref kind of sticks to their own little criteria, I shouldn't say their own criteria, but if they're consistent in how they call certain penalties, okay, you can be a little upset with it if a ref has tendency to let things happen more versus other refs. But if they can stick to how they call the game the entire season yeah. through at least you can't sit there and go, well, they've been so inconsistent. If you can look at it and go, well, this ref, 
this is how he this is how he kind of calls pass interference yeah okay at least that should eliminate some controversy in like you know the re- in terms of like okay if the ref is consistent with how he calls it at least he's consistent with how yeah. he calls it there's some yeah. level of consistency yeah. as opposed to just picking and choosing when we're going to be more tight with the rule book yeah but then there's still the annoyance of like you know if you're watching a team and you're like what this wasn't a pass interference in the last game and then now in this game it is because there's a different refing crew refing yeah. it so that that's that's part of the problem and then too like i think i think part of the thing is like especially with the way that gambling is coming into to sports oh, yeah i feel like I league's gotta that. be so careful because like the way this is heading if they don't like figure out some consistency i legitimately think it's going to be like a a legal issue where you know potentially like congress and stuff's going to get involved to like regulate because it's so ridiculous and like how crazy is it to think like if you go and you watch some of the documentaries or some of the stuff on the um oh shoot what's his name he's the uh he's the ref for the nba who donahy donahy uh who got caught up with yeah, he was, he was <laughs> with the the all the like mob connections he was making. Yeah. He was making money off the thing, but but like if you go back and you actually like, uh, like watch some of the, like there's a couple of documentaries on Netflix and some some other stuff, uh, him and like a bunch of other people involved were set up to come out and uh talk about how. And and we're gonna be witnesses for the government in um saying that the NBA tells refs to favor yeah. certain teams like yeah, that was I, a legitimate I, thing and then he ended up getting fired and the the nba like paid out a bunch of money and stuff this like hey nobody nobody talk about this yeah. but like the the idea that a sports league is influencing the outcome of games uh is completely viable to me especially a- after all that and the fact that when you look at like donahue was a respected ref and he was influencing games to make millions of dollars for himself um by calling these little fouls throughout the game and you, you know he you could go watch interviews of him going in depth on how he would like yeah. call like, plays I, to like influence a game you you take that and then you magnify it with all this money and sports betting and i'm not even saying like refs are dirty or doing what he's doing to like make money but like the idea that there can be that influence introduced into the game by these refs doing these things to influence the outcomes, it kind of crumbles the whole integrity of every sport and introduces this aspect of like, and this easy, like for a conspiracy theory, especially when you have like blatantly bad calls, like that saints call a couple years ago where there was obvious passenger period. They take rules because of how egregious it was. And it's like, all it takes is, is one ref to like miss one call or like, miss one call and all of a sudden like the entire game has changed and so like when you introduce that sports betting and all this extra on top of it like it's only going to get worse in the accusations from fans to the league and i think fans are only going to get more upset especially fans that are putting hard-earned money on games and then the games don't seem fair yeah, no, and that's I, something I, that's going to cause massive issues. Yeah, I didn't even think about sports betting, Um, to be honest with you. I didn't even think about the connection there. So I'm glad you brought that up. 
speaking of that refer the missed call the saints rams nfc championship game years ago um this is another great example this is this kind of led to the rule change that got put in place for a single year where pass interference was reviewable and we saw that they almost never got overturned and what what turned out is refs weren't willing to go and overturn their mistakes that's ultimately what the big issue was surrounding that rule and also i believe the nfl was a little involved saying hey stick to your calls on this that was kind of an appease mm-hmm. the ownership and fan base kind of thing but it brings in to the it brings into it that you know what refs do have egos umpires refs they have yep. their own egos that whether we want them out of the game or not they get involved some way or another i think you see it a lot in specifically the NBA and the MLB with technical fouls and ejections. Um, I think those are two sports where ref and umpire egos can kind of come into the fold a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we had a rule in place to try and keep more accountability with the past reviewing past interference and everything, which I, I want to say, I thought was bullshit to begin with. I don't think reviewing penalties I think that's getting a little too, uh, yeah, a little too, a little over the top here. And we're going to well, see it. The NFL yeah. is going to, they're introducing, um, you can review roughing the passer now. It's going to get out of hand. I, I imagine yeah. that'll go well, away just it, like the, uh, it takes, it thing. takes so much time in the broadcast to do it. And then, like, things always look way, way worse when you slow, slow down. it down. Yeah. And you have it in this super slow mo, and you see it from like eighteen different things, and then like the, the like it's hard to blame a ref because like in real time they did not see that. Like yeah. you can't like hold like a ref to the standards of like the slow mo replay. Oh, like that's absolutely ridiculous because like you know you could definitely see things on slow mo replay that it's like look that was impossible for someone yeah. to see real time and there's I, no I possible do, way they could have the, seen that. with the roughing the passer i believe the rule is it's only they're only reviewing it if it gets called you know yeah. like pass interference yeah. coaches could challenge for a pass interference call whereas they can't that do that be. with the you can't challenge to get a roughing the passer which I think yeah. is a learned mistake from the pass interference rule that they put in place, but yeah. still the, I don't think it's very likely that refs overturn their calls very often, especially in that situation. No. Um, I get it's being added as some form of accountability to, uh, yeah. to the refs well, part, and everything, but, but part, part of the reason with that, that particular rule is the way they have the rule written. Yeah. Like any contact it, of the head, it, 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 it's it, any contact of the head. And like, Sometimes it'd be completely incidental. And then also the the whole thing with like the body weight thing where it can or can't be on them. And then it's like, well, they're getting tackled. Like, what are we constituting as full body weight? Like, yeah, that's it's the the rule was written in a way that was so dumb. And then you see like guys like we've seen guys like completely like go at them from the side and like almost like roll under guys to like take the hit or like and they can hurt them, shove them in the process of that, too. Yeah. Avoid like actually tackling the guy and they still get called for it. It's like, well, what did you want? And then every sports uh, radio show and TV show in the next morning is going to be, oh, nothing the passer again yeah and it's how they wrote the rule yeah it's all just so much crap and the nfl i do believe has the biggest issue in terms of their rule book um if i had to pick a sport that i think is the hardest to referee and i'm gonna say it's the nfl because the rule book is just yeah. so inconsistent 
It's not very clear and straightforward. Um, but you know, enough yeah. about like the problems with refs. I, you know, part of this show, we want to talk about how to actually fix refing. So yeah. possible solutions. Um, so sticking it sticking in the NFL, I think they could learn a thing from the NHL. I think the NHL, I believe, has the best refereeing system in professional sports. That's just my opinion. For those who are not familiar with it, it's very clear cut. They only have, you know, they have a set number of camera angles. Their rule book is very definitive in how it lays everything out. And on top of that, every call that has to get re- that is reviewed, it goes to the war room in Toronto. And there are people whose job it is is to only look at those calls and help deter help decipher the rule book for the ref. The ref almost the the head ref almost doesn't even make the final decision in that at that point, which you can't get more consistent than if you have a group of people who sit there and look at it and go, this is the call based on our rules. The yeah. NFL kind of tried to do that with because they have their war their war room if you will in new york new york um and whenever it's a challenger reviewed play the head ref he kind of go you know he goes under the booth he talks to the get he gets on the phone with new york the difference though is new york goes well this is what we see but you know you have the final interpretation based on how you see it which is dude what what's the point of them calling you then you know yeah um but yeah that and I, like I think part I think I think that the NFL specifically has a couple of things they they should and need to do is one they lose a lot of their top uh, refing talent to TV because TV pays better than oh, the, yeah. the refing. Why Guerrero, would you not Dean do it? Landino, and and um, let, let's geez, be honest, like like Dean Landino is one of the best like referee people you could possibly have. How the he's not the president of refereeing for the nfl like the nfl should pay him whatever he wants he should put down an absurd number on a piece of paper and slide it to roger goodell goodell should be like yeah i'll take that directly out of my salary uh that's how it should go um but like so 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 one that they they it won't but like that that's that's step one is like paying elite talent to stay and have them stay and then yeah i think the nfl needs to have like a sky judge basically for each game they need to have them separate in new york or wherever so that they're not being influenced that they don't have their ego caught up in like oh i made this call or like oh well i'm buddies with these guys i don't want to come in and like overstep like it needs to be a little bit of a separation they they just call balls and strikes and they're just there being like and they can get in the ear at any time and be like, hey, no, you need to pick up that flag. Hey, no, you need to throw a flag here. And like have it set up like the NHL where there's a set number of cameras they can use. Uh, they can't see things in super slow-mo because I don't like that. I think calling uh, penalties based off slow-mo is ridiculous because yeah, you can't wild. see it in real time. And then I also think too, part of the thing with the NFL is like the refs aren't full time. I think the refs yes, that's need to I be left out about the NHL. They need to be refs. they need to be full like their career needs to be being an NFL ref because they need to be constantly working on that and making themselves better. They need to constantly be looking at things and looking at self improvement because like 
I'm sorry, but like if if you're if you got another job and you're doing like this on the side, like you're not giving it your full attention. You're not giving it your 100%. Like you you don't have time when you take into account like family time, personal yeah. time, uh needing a break, uh your other job, your other commitments. Like no, like it should be your full-time career and it should be mandatory that it's your full-time career. You don't have other things you're doing like you have a full-time job as a ref like in the off season you're you're doing clinics you're doing like things you're, you're going doing college uh stuff stuff with colleges to to get more practice more reps in like hey they're doing spring practices we're gonna have a couple of you refs go out to spring practices and like you're getting used to constantly being in there and calling live games and yeah. seeing things in real time like they need to put a huge emphasis on making sure that the refs are prepared to the level that they should be. Cause let's be honest, the athletes are putting in that time. I think it's totally unfair that an athlete's putting in all that time, money and resource into their body, making sure like nutritionally sleep, everything workouts, they're doing everything to make sure they're at peak top physical performance so they can go out there and perform and then the refs are, you know, just doing it as like a side hustle. Like, I think that's totally unfair to the athlete. No, I 100% agree. And another thing that I think needs to be added um, is a level of accountability, right? The the NFL protects their refs like no other league. They do not, they very rarely come out and, you know, you'll see with the NBA, they'll come out and be like, ah, yes, that should have been a foul. That shouldn't have been Yeah, a the foul. end game reports. Yeah, Yeah, they'll do that. The NFL hardly ever goes a will report or come out and say something against what referees decided on the field. They don't do that. They also, um, they just have one person from the referee crew that has to be available for questioning after a game. I think that, you know, if we're going to keep dealing with controversial issues and inconsistency with refs, you have to employ some kind of method that holds them more accountable. The fact that if a coach were to go in his, and his, uh, press conference after his post-game press conference and say, yeah, you know, I feel like the refereeing uh, was just inconsistent. A lot of missed calls left out there on the field or whatever. It's a $500,000 fine. Yeah. Instant fine. If Depending on how far the coach goes, you can get a suspension as well. Meanwhile, the refs get to just walk out of there. You know, they don't have to deal mm -hmm. with any of that stuff. They can just leave. They can screw over a team with a bad decision or a questionable call and just walk away. And there's, there's nothing ever brought up about it again. And the players who just put it all on the field and the coach who just watched all of his guys give their best effort, they're stuck there. They're not even allowed to talk about it. Like, I, I believe that you should be able to, as players and coaches, you should be able to call out bad refereeing. Um, yeah. Protecting them from that stuff doesn't make them any better. To me, if I'm a referee and I know that, like, I basically, if I screw something up, I don't have to answer for it. I'm not going to feel as concerned about screwing it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Obviously you, you don't want to miss a call as a ref, but my point is that if I don't have to answer for my mistakes, then they're not as, then I, I'm not going to feel like they're as big of a deal. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. That, that's a huge thing that needs to be added as accountability because refs yeah. are too protected, especially in the NFL, the NBA. Um, I feel like the NBA refing isn't that big of an issue. You know, they, they seem to have a pretty accountable. They have a decent review system. Yeah. Um, the only the only thing that's frustrating, the thing that's frustrating with the, the NBA sometimes, though, is like the NBA will come out and be like, 
Yeah, no, they did 100% miss this call or this was the wrong call at the end of game. And like, it's like, so you just admitted that the ref messed up and literally cost the team a game. And then it's like this weird feeling afterwards where it's like, well, you just admitted that your ref cost the game. And then like the outcome of the game feels really weird now afterwards yeah. where it you're like, well, away from it. We lost like the the team lost, but like, really, that shouldn't be a loss on the record. Like you met, you admitted you screwed up the call so that it does, it does get kind of challenging when you, when you, yeah, no, it, it, that, that part of it does leave a sour taste in your mouth for sure. Um, especially if you are the losing team, the way I would look at it though, and this is kind of my approach is it's like, okay, you know what? They come out and admit that they were wrong with it. Yes. It sucks to have to take a loss that way, but at least I know that it wasn't the team's fault. You know, at least I know that the NBA is holding their referees accountable to come out and say, yeah, the ref missed this call or the ref should have never blew the whistle there. Yeah, you'll be pissed that it, that you lost that game. But that ref also now has the league, the organization they work for is not backing them on that call, which once again, that adds some level of accountability. It's not a ton, but to at least know that a league is willing to call out and point out when their referees come up short or fail to do their job correctly, that should incentivize refs to get better at their job. Um, that's, that's my take on it. It does leave still like a sour taste and it's like, okay, well now it's kind of an unauthentic win. If you're the winning team, it's, you know, to me, it's like a consolation prize. If you're the losing team, okay, we lost. But at least it's acknowledged that, um, you know, at least it's being acknowledged that we got screwed over. So, you know, you could take, you could, it's like, you know, silver lining, I guess, is the best way I can put it. And it's not a good one, but Mm -hmm. it at least shows that the NBA or whatever organization is willing to admit to the mistakes of their refs rather than blindly protect them from anything. Yeah. Um, That's that's the big thing there. If I'm Mm going to be entirely honest with you. Um, And then as for other ways you can fix it, really the only, the only thing you can do is you have to, I believe that refs, like you said, should be career refs, whatever the sport is Um, the Mm -hmm. NHL. They are career refs. That's why the NHL has, that's why I believe the NHL has some of the fewest refereeing controversies. Um, It's also, you know, lesser, less popular sports. So you might not get as much, it might not get as much attention, but yeah. make it their full-time job. Take care of your refs in a way to where they are willing to devote their career to being better at their job for your sport. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, the other one, like we've touched on, you have to have clear rules. You know, you can't have so much stuff open for interpretation and left to be like left to subjectivity from refs. When you have that, that's when you get all of these inconsistent calls in different games across mm-hmm. the leagues. Because you you have to find you have to come to some kind of understanding on your rule book of this is what this is. No matter mm-hmm. how you see it, these things have to be apparent, and we can't throw in random terms that don't make sense, like a football move. Because as far as I'm concerned, catching the ball, getting <laughs> both hands on it, that's part of a football move. Like yeah. so, we're going three, th- two feet in a step, three feet. Okay, so why don't we say you have to get three feet down? It makes kind of mm. sounds weird, but okay, you gotta get both feet in a step. That's your that's it. Yeah. Both feet in a step. Cool. There's your three steps basically that happen. 
at least then that's that's clear but to put a football move in there is stupid yeah you can't leave stuff so open to interpretation you have to make it very clear cut and you have to stand by it and it's going to suck at first when Mm -hmm. you change it from what they know but those are kind of the two big things you need to make it their career take care of them make sure you're giving them the tools to continually get better and improve and better understand things and give them a rule book that is very straightforward and not just filled with all of these random phrases in there that don't necessarily make sense and roughing the passer any contact to the head really really we can do better you know yeah I I yeah. just I, when you see I hate when you see defender hands up trying to block the pass and then you know they get through their block and their arm comes down and it just off the face mask it, it the brushes the face mask yeah and it's flag. like yeah and it's like no the the intent was like hitting the head and like it was to try to limit that head to head contact is really what it was trying to limit it's being like hey yeah your helmet doesn't touch his helmet like that was the intent of the rule and then it got turned into like you brush his face mask and it's like yeah. oh roughing the passer and it's like what he was yeah, going like for he, the ball and he happened to his fingertips hit the face mask and all of a sudden that's find a, some kind that's of a heavy penalty. medium yeah. there you know whether you want to call it egregious contract contact or you know head to head shoulder to head contact and then hopefully that because i don't see many times when a guy like dives at a quarterback they just full on go just full arm to the head you know what i mean yeah so when you're you know what a head to head what you know illegal contact to the head is and it rarely if ever outside of roughing the passer calls it rarely ever happens where a guy's like hand is the cause of that contact it's always shoulder to helmet helmet to helmet you never just see a guy basically punch someone in the face (laughs) and go oh that was me trying to tackle him that doesn't happen yeah no you can you can do away with that pretty easily but Mm -hmm make it under make it consistent make it very clear cut in the rules and not so wide open to interpretation those are your big yep. things you got to work on to kind of fix refing uh adding review doesn't Great. do anything except add to the controversy at the end of the yep. day this review of roughing the passer is only going to make things worse in my opinion yep, yep. it's going to slow down the game and then it's going to introduce more subjectivity with this because they're going to show it in slow-mo from 18 different yeah, angles you, and you're going to be like oh well i guess no that that should have been it's now like that, no, now that i in real time at no. 0. 0.02 times speed i can see it but like yeah. we we have to understand as well not to just fully harp on refs everything they see is in real time you know oh. so to add the element of slow motion it really unauthenticates refereeing and it's going to it's going to add more controversy at the end of the day i truly believe that um Mm -hmm. so whatever the nfl it's this is going to be in place for a year and then it's going to go away that's my prediction um but probably before we before we continue down a path because we can go on for a while how about let's wrap up the show here with our classic quick hits i believe it is my turn to hit you with some questions correct yep okay so first off mine are mostly mlb related um i thought we were going to talk a little more about umpiring and with the mlb but we really didn't so my first quick hit for you here with all the controversy around balls and strikes and different stuff like that at the plate with um the mlb do you believe the mlb should switch to robot umpires just for just for behind the plate yeah you know 
Hmm, that's hard. Oh, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest. I'd do it. I would do it because then there's no subjectivity. You, you I would. You would. I would. Because okay. because then there's no subjectivity. It's a baller strike. No, there's no arguing it. It it is what it is. So yeah, I I think I I'd, I'd I get the it. argument. I personally I would stick with the umpire behind the plate. They're actually rather consistent. I would yeah. just try and fire someone like Angel Hernandez because he's really bad at what he does. <laughs> um, but for the most part, they're consistent. Yeah. And you know, think about plays at the plate. You're gonna have to send an umpire to now cover home plate when that happens, which means something can get missed somewhere out in the field. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's something that I think gets overlooked with that rule. But I, I see the argument for both sides. I would stick with a real life ump, though. They're pretty close. Yeah. And you know what? They all have their tendencies that I think batters typically tend to figure out by yeah. after well, the first time through th- the line. That is the thing is everybody knows that ump's tendencies. And then you're just like, oh, yeah, it's this ump. It's this and this. And, yeah, I, I agree. They're consistent. Yeah. And it, it usually tends to work both ways, both in the pitcher and hitter's favor throughout a game when they yeah. are calling a little differently. Yeah, um, it averages out. So my next one, sticking here in the MLB, what do you believe is the most important position or position group? on an MLB roster. So when I say position group, Ooh. this can be outfield, infield. I'm grouping pitcher and catcher, like starting pitcher and catcher mm. as its own group. As there, its own group. And as a group. Or you can mm-hmm. take it one specific position. Okay. Can I just take Otani and then I have my outfield and my <laughs> and my amazing <laughs> offensive of, player? I didn't ask, I didn't ask player. I didn't, I didn't ask player <laughs> position. Yeah, that's fair. Um, group. You know, I'm going to go, this is probably influenced by me being a Giants fan. I'm going to go pitchers and catchers because if you have an all-star amazing uh, catcher like Buster Posey for years, who is an expert at framing pitches, and then you have a uh, great to good uh, pitching staff to go with him and you're deep, I think you can manufacture offense and get a run or two and win games like that. And especially like in the playoffs, I mean, that's how the giants won three world series. So I'm going to go pitchers and catchers Fair. I'm going bullpen because I've seen bullpens blow games way too many times. Um, But final question, we got to be quick. We got like a minute left here. Should sports that don't currently use a salary cap system switch to a salary cap system or should sports with a salary cap system switch to the luxury tax system? What do you think would work out better? My answer, personally, I am an advocate for luxury tax systems switching to salary cap. So if you have a luxury tax, yeah. I believe you switch to salary. It makes it yeah. more fair throughout. I I agree because I don't like the whole thing with like one team. They have a really rich ass owner and then they're just able Fuck like the Yankees. Golden State or the Yankees, yeah, where yeah. they just keep bankrolling these crazy uh, expensive things and it, luxury tax doesn't matter to them. Like, it, yeah. Golden State literally doesn't care about the luxury tax. Yeah, and I, I think it's gotten to the point where it's it's an extreme to where it's like, this this is ridiculous and this isn't, this isn't fair. Like, if guys want to take a cut to, like, play somewhere, like, okay, I'm fine with that. But I don't like that a team can just basically spend it in oblivion. It's like, oh, well, they, they do get taxed on it. Well, like, great, the tax isn't mean anything because they make so much more than all the other teams yeah i agree but that's a great place to wrap it up thank you guys for listening um hope you like what you heard give us a follow on our social media